Well, good evening, folks. Uh, again, we're in Isaiah chapter 6 and looking at verses 1 through 9. Uh, this morning we saw that Isaiah contemplated on the Lord. And he saw the Lord's glory. He saw him on a throne. He saw him being worshipped. He saw his purity and his holiness. He saw power and authority. He saw majesty and he saw his future glory. So we looked at Isaiah contemplating on the Lord. And this contemplation led to conviction. It brought real conviction in Isaiah's life. And he said, woe is me, for I am undone. And this conviction now it leads to cleansing. So we saw contemplation. We saw conviction. We saw confession. And our fourth point is cleansing. Folks, do you know what happens when a man or a woman or any young person for that matter confesses their sin? They get cleansed. They get cleansed. For the believer, the word of God has this to say. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's for the believer. And for the unbeliever, it says in Romans 10 and 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And folks, once you're saved, you're cleansed. Cleansed from the root problem of sin. Then and only then does 1 John 1 9 apply to you also. It's for the saved. Now back into Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So here we have in these two verses a wonderful picture. I see a wonderful picture of Calvary. Now please try to picture the scene. Here we have a sinful man, Isaiah, who contemplated upon the Lord. He saw him in all his glory. And this revealed High on worthy he was in the sight of a holy God. So much so that he was convicted about his sin, which caused him to confess his sin, and now his sin is cleansed. The angel, one of the seraphims, said, Thy sin is purged. But before that happened, Something 
Something special took place. You see, after Isaiah confessed his sin in verse 5, it tells us that one of the seraphims with a pair of tongs, he wouldn't lift the coals with his hands, but with a pair of tongs had taken a live coal from off the altar. And he laid it upon Isaiah's lips. He put it upon Isaiah's mouth and said, This has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Now this word purged comes from a Hebrew word, kaphire, which means to cover. His sin was covered. It was cleansed away, as it were. So what actually happened? Well, again, try to picture this. Here we have an altar. A sacrifice on the altar because there was live coals. The live coal would have been impregnated with the blood of the sacrifice. And when the seraphim took the coal from off the altar with the tongs, and touched it on Isaiah's lips, the one who had just confessed his sin, he was actually making an application of the blood upon the sinner. Folks, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There's no redemption. This angel took the live coal which would have been impregnated with the blood of the sacrifice. And he took it with the tongs from off the altar. And he touched it upon Isaiah's lips. And he says, thy sin is purged. There's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. You know, we sing the hymn, what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And folks, it was only when the blood was applied that the cleansing took place. Likewise, it can happen to you. Because Christ shed his blood for you. And you can be saved. 1 Peter Chapter 1 and verse 18 says this. You were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. You know, this world is clamoring after silver and gold. They, they reckon they're precious metals. They never contaminate. They never corrupt. They last for years. The Bible calls them corruptible. You were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb. Without blemish and without spot. Folks, if you are listening in today, if you are listening in tonight, and perhaps you, you might attend another church. Perhaps you don't even go to church. And you may never have heard some of these expressions like repentance, born again, Getting saved. You may never have heard some of these expressions. Please go home. And if you're at home, read the scriptures. 
See the scriptures that I've been quoting and check and see if these things be so. Because we stick to the word of God here in this church. We preach from the inspired word of God. We use the King James Version of the scriptures. Which God has preserved down through the years. And folks, if you're at home today and you've never heard any of these things, John 3, 7 says, ye must be born again. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, your good works, which so many churches preach, your good works are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Do you believe the Bible? Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says this. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of them. All the good things you do in your own strength. All the great things you do in your own strength. God says they are filthy rags. Isaiah's iniquity had been dealt with. His iniquity was purged. His iniquity was cleansed. His sin was covered because the blood of the sacrifice had been applied. Folks, don't let anyone tell you that you can be saved apart from the blood of Christ. That's not what the Bible teaches. And in verse 8, Isaiah heard a voice. It was the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And this came in the form of a challenge. You see, Isaiah contemplated on the Lord. And he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he saw all his glories. And it brought about a conviction in his life. A conviction of sin. So much so that he confesses his sin. And he said, woe is me, for I am undone. And then after he said that in verse 5, the angel took a coal from off the altar, a live coal, touched it on his lips and said, thy sin is purged, making an application of the blood. And in verse 8, Isaiah hears a voice. After he was saved, after his sin was purged, after he was cleansed, he heard a voice, and it was the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Interesting that word, us, Elohim. And it's in the form of a challenge from a triune God. Who will go for us? And folks, Isaiah was cleansed of his sin. And then he heard the voice of the Lord. And it was in the form of this challenge. And when we get saved and we start reading our, the word of God, when we start reading our Bible, uh, what we read is the eternal word of God and it's the Lord speaking to us. You see, whenever we read this Bible, it is God speaking to us. Whenever we pray, it is us speaking to God. This is the eternal word of God. The question is, have you been challenged in your life? Speaking to Christians now, have you been challenged? 
Have you been challenged to be a better Christian? Have you been in the Word and the Word convicts you and you walk away from it and do nothing about it? That's like a man beholding his face in a mirror, in a looking glass, and saying, well, I'm unshaved, my hair's all untidy, but who cares? The Bible shows us our faults. It shows us where we have gone wrong. It tells us about the sin in our lives. It rebukes us about things in our lives through the Holy Spirit. But what do we do? Do we walk away and don't do anything about it? Or are you challenged to be a better person, a better Christian, a better believer, a better witness? Are you challenged to be more faithful in prayer? How long has it been? Since you spent more than five minutes on your knees in prayer. How long has it been since you stayed up half the night praying about a particular item? Oh, we've lost to pray about in these days, folks. Have you been challenged to be more faithful in church? Now we can't come. You know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But the law of the land at the moment says, don't go. It's too dangerous to go. And so we obey the law of the land at this present time. But when the church doors open, will you be convicted to be more faithful at church? Have you been challenged through the word of God to be a helper, to be a giver, to be an encourager, whatever the case might be? There's plenty of challenges out there. What's the challenge you have taken up? What are you running with in your life? Isaiah contemplated. He was convicted. He confessed his sin. He was cleansed and he was challenged. And folks, only Let me emphasize this. Only a blood-bought child of God who has been cleansed of their sin can be used of God. If you're doing things in your own strength, then you're doing it out of the will of God. Is the need of the church today what you want to do for it? Are you prepared to get involved in the need of the church today? Men and women and young people who are willing to answer the challenge, there's plenty of work. And for each one, the challenge might be different. God needs prayer warriors. Some people cannot get out there and physically work. We can't all be involved in doing the gardens. We can't all be involved in cleaning the church. But we can pray. We can pray. God needs prayer warriors. He desires men and women to preach and to teach. To be Sunday school teachers. To be youth leaders and so forth. He desires faithfulness. He wants laborers, not loafers, in the church. And this was the challenge that Isaiah heard. And this was a challenge for us. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? It was a question. 
It was voiced by Elohim, as I've already said, the triune God. Who will go for us? Who's going to do this work? Who's going to speak to that next door neighbor? Who's going to speak to the down and out person? Who's going to tell the drug addict that God loves them? God says, whom shall I send? Folks, are we up to the challenge? We do need lots of people in lots of ministries. Praise God for those who are working tirelessly in this church. Praise God for those who are working behind the scenes for the last six months or so since this coronavirus started. Praise God for the faithful people. But there's no unemployment in God's work. We're not going to give you work seeker allowance because you have nothing to do. Hey, there's plenty of work in God's house. There's always plenty of work. Isaiah. Isaiah was sensitive to God's voice. He saw the Lord in all his glory. He heard his voice. And folks, the Lord is challenging you to use your gifts and your talents to glorify him. Sam and Robbie, they've got talents. They're in the computers and websites and different technical things. Praise God, God's using them. Elise is working at home doing the same thing. Catherine has been gifted with a beautiful voice and he, she uses it for God's glory. Tim and Mel, they, they speak to the young people. What a blessing. And for others who are doing things in the church, on scene, out of sight and so forth, praise God for them. Isaiah was sensitive to God's voice and he saw the Lord in all his glory and he heard his voice. And folks, the Lord is challenging you. Are you ready? Are you able? Are you willing? Folks, the same challenge applies to us today. Whom will I send? Who will go for us? In Matthew 21 and verse 28 it says, Son, go work Today, in my vineyard. Son, that speaks of the qualification. You must be born again. Go speaks of action. Work is what God wants us to do. Today is the accepted time. In my vineyard, wherever God has placed you. Son, go work today in my vineyard. And so the challenge went out. How did how did Isaiah react? Did he say, well, hey, there's plenty of people around here. Someone else can do it. Did he say, well, not for me. Did he say, well, why me? Why is it always me? <laughs> why should I go? No, 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 no. He took up the challenge. He was obedient and he consecrated his life to the Lord. He took up the challenge and consecrated his life to the task at hand. He said two things. Look at verse 7. Two things. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin 
purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then he said, Here am I. Send me. He did not say send someone else. He said, Here am I. I'm available. Send me. (laughs) I'm willing to go. Availability and willingness go hand in hand. And if we are to be blessed of the Lord, we need to be available to the Lord. And we need to be willing to do what he wants us to do. Isaiah is saying, Lord, here am I. What about me? Don't overlook me. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Lord, here I am. (laughs) Lord, don't look anywhere else. Here I am. Send me. I'm available. I'm willing to go. Don't need to look any further afield. It was as if he was saying, Lord, I'd love to be used of thee. Please don't look anywhere else. Please don't look any further. I'm here. And I'm willing, willing to work, willing to go. No ifs. No, I'm willing to go if you do this or that. Not willing to go with a but. I'll go but. I've got things to do first. It's not I'm willing to go but there is provisos providing you to. No. No ifs, no buts, no proviso. Lord, use me. I consecrate my life to thee. I can imagine Isaiah saying that and just thinking in words. I know, Lord, that you will see me through. I, I know that you will make me adequate for the task. Because you never ask anyone to do anything without making them adequate for the task. Without giving them the strength. Without giving them the wherewithal to complete the task. I know that you will see me through. And I know that you will make me adequate for the task. Folks, To consecrate our lives to God is to be obedient. To be obedient to his word. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we all know it very well, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, do you want to prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Then be obedient. Folks, sometimes when we read scriptures like these, we we do need to ask ourselves some questions. Am I am I really committed? Oh yes, I got saved quite a few years ago, and yes, I've been coming to church, but am I really committed? Am I really trusting in the God of eternity? Am I really being obedient to his word? Just sit down and ask yourself the question. Have you consecrated your life to God? Are you sensitive to his voice? Is your response just like Isaiah? Lord, here am I. Send me. 
Folks, I truly believe, and I believe the scriptures teach that if you were to say something like this, Lord, what will you have me to do? Then, verse 9, will be brought into action. And he said, go and tell. Verse 9 will be brought into wax. If you consecrate your life to God, if you're to sit down with all your heart, soul, and mind and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I believe God will answer. And God will show you what he wants you to do. Verse 9 will be brought into action, which is our final point. Commission. After the challenge, after the consecration, the Lord commissioned Isaiah. The Lord sent him on a very important mission. He said, go and tell this people. Uh, sometimes when we visit our grandchildren, they tell us about what happened in school. And uh, one of the things is show and tell. And they take things to school and they say, well, no, this belongs to whatever and uh, this is what it's all about. But God says, go and tell this people. Folks, when we say yes to the challenge and when we consecrate our lives to him, he will commission us to go on his behalf. After all, we are his ambassadors. Going speaks of our walk. Telling speaks of our talk. Isaiah was commissioned. Now we can see, to a point, why his lips had to be cleansed. Because those lips had to carry God's holy word to others. The lips that sinned was touched by the blood and they are being used to bring God's word to others. Folks, just a question in closing. How far have you come? Have you contemplated upon the Lord? Are you saved? Have you seen the Lord high and lifted up and seen his glory? So much so that You've been convicted of your sin. And you've confessed your sin. And you've had your sin cleansed. Have you, have you heard the challenge? Whom shall I send? Have you consecrated your life to God? Have you been commissioned to go and tell? I hope and pray that this little study might convict us, in a sense, to be more like Christ. May the Lord bless his word to all who listen this day. Let's pray. Father, again, we just give thee thanks for this Lord's day. We thank thee for the message this morning. We thank you for this evening's hour. And, O oh God, our Father, we do pray that as your word goes forth, that it might go out in power, that it might be in authority, not my authority, but in the authority of the Holy Ghost, as he would convict men of their sin and of their need of a Savior. Father, we do pray that we might hear of some people who has listened to this and perhaps have said, well, I've never taken the first step, but I'm willing to do that. 
Uh, it may be that uh, there could be others who are saved who uh, have stopped along the way, and we do pray that uh, even this study on Isaiah might encourage them to uh, get moving along and to consecrate their lives before thee. Father and I, we just pray that you would bless us as we close in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen.